Welcome back to the Wizards of Amazon podcast, your weekly blueprint for explosive success. I'm Carlos Alvarez, full-time successful Amazon seller and organizer of the largest Amazon seller meetup group in the world. Let's do this. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Wizards of Amazon podcast, where we cover all things private label. My name is Carlos Alvarez, and I'll be your host for the show. Uh, today, I have a really special guest on the show, the founder of FreeUp, Nathan Hirsch. Nathan, what's up, man? Hey, Carlos. How's it going? Going really good, man. Going really good. There's so much going on in your life. I think when we, when we set this up, it was going to be a different topic, which it still could be, but uh, I'm super happy you took the time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks. It's funny. This whole year has kind of been a, a stressful year. So the first part of the year, I was planning the, the engagement to my fiance and I flew in all the relatives. And there was this four-month secret that I didn't want to slip out and we executed that perfectly. And then the end of the year, it was four months of going through this sale and trying to keep that on the down low and seeing if that was actually going to happen. And, and so we started and ended in kind of the same way. Let me ask you about the latter, like as far as keeping that a secret, because you successfully did it. There was no hint. And this is a this is an industry where like a tiny rumor gets out and that's it. Right. How many people knew? Uh, yeah, me, my partner, Connor, the other people. And I think I told my parents. I don't, it's funny. My business partner said he didn't even tell his parents because he thought that they would tell the world. So my parents are pretty good at keeping a secret. But I mean, the truth is we, we didn't know that we were going to sell it. Like it wasn't money in the bag or anything. Like you're going through the process. They can back out at, at any point. And up until right. the, the last day when we actually signed it, I mean, we, we got into the mentality that we have to proceed forward like we're not selling free up because the last thing we want to happen is the deal falls through and we haven't been paying attention to the business for four months. And then we come back to this whole mess that we have to fix. So we were really proceeding forward like it wasn't going to happen, that they were going to back out or whatever. And, and until we actually signed it, that was the only time that, that we thought it was going to go through. I've sold some businesses before and what what happens with me, I don't know if this happened with you, and this might be like a topic in and of itself, but is I get emotionally connected to my businesses. And supposedly that's a flaw, but I do it. Like I have no other way to approach it. Like for me to put in that kind of time, I get emotionally attached. And I feel like you're emotionally attached to free up. Just you could, you could see it when you, when you, when you start entertaining the, you know, I might like, I might be able to help free up even more by putting it in even better hands. Does the emotional, do you feel like you're like cheating on your girlfriend kind of thing going on at that point? Like, how do you, did you deal with any of that? I did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was definitely the hardest decision I make. I mean, it, there, there were so many factors, right? I mean, we said from the beginning, we were only going to sell free up to, to someone who's going to take it and do great things with it, not someone who's going to destroy it or, or treat people poorly. We, we set a very high level for how we treat clients, freelancers, and our internal team. And we needed this to be a win-win where they were going to get a business that they were going to be able to grow and scale and get their investment back, where obviously it was good from us for a financial side, where the freelancers and the clients were going to get the same level of support, the same level of, of high-level service, but then also our internal team. We have a, and a team in the Philippines that I have people that have been working with me for eight plus years that that's by far the worst part of selling this is I'm going to miss them. But we were able to take hundreds of thousands of dollars from the sale and, and give it to our internal team in the Philippines. And and hopefully change their life. So if you look at it from a from an overall, like, is this the right decision? I, I didn't want to not give them that money and not go through with it because I'm going to miss working with Marius. Like to right. me, that's not a very good, like logical decision to make. And making decisions like that doesn't at the end of the day always help people. So there there are a lot of factors there and we were only going to go through if we thought it was going to be a win-win for everyone. Yeah. And it, it definitely looks like it was. Um I mean, I, I've, I've been slowly ramping up my hiring uh, just strictly from FreeUp. I haven't noticed a single hiccup. 
um, billings happening on time. <laughs> you know, everything's happening smooth. It's got to be one of the smoothest sales I've ever seen, man. And that's a testament that you that you're amazing and you got amazing people on there to take free up to the next level. As surprising as it is, I don't even want to talk about free up on this podcast. <laughs> like I want to use this opportunity to talk about like your experience with virtual assistants, both from, you know, I hate to word the use the word using, but like um, working with them on both sides of the fence. Uh, right. You have to be the authority on on that. So I'd love to talk about building virtual teams um, and the missteps that I think a lot of people are making. Uh, could you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. And I'll dive into my, my number one thing. And I've been telling the, the new people this until they're blue in the head. I think they're tired of me repeating it is if they're, if you're not the favorite client to whoever your VAs, freelancers, whatever is working with, you're, you're doing something wrong and you're not going to be their top priority. They're not going to be loyal to you. The second any other job offer comes up, that's more money. They're out the door. You need to do everything possible so they are your so you are their favorite client and that means building an actual relationship with them not only talking about work it means communicating in the right way I'll, I'll message people silly things on weekends like actually building a relationship like a real person where if they were going to leave free up or leave whatever it feels like they're, they're breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's the kind of relationship that you want to build and that's how you build loyalty and same thing applies if you have people in your office and you're building a culture, but so many people just miss that. And they don't realize that it, that, that relationship is a huge part of it. If, if you can't build a team around those relationships, you're always going to be dealing with turnover. You're always going to wonder when I'm going to have to replace X, Y, Z. So the, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I was just on, on Instagram, like messenger, whatever it's called DM with one of my uh, virtual assistants. And we're, and we're talking about nothing having to do with work, just exactly my, my son being born and no, my daughter being born and what the introduction of my son and my daughter was like. And yeah, I totally get it. But you did notice a significant, uh, like not anywhere near as much turnover once you, the, the greater the relationship was forged, right? Yeah, we had almost no turnover over on FreeUp. I mean, we fired a few people throughout the years just based on performance, but they didn't want to leave. And that kind of stuff just happens. And when you really trust people, it wasn't even me coming in and saying, hey, your performance is bad. It's the, the team leaders coming to me and saying, hey, we need to get rid of this person. So outside of that, I mean, again, we were, everyone wanted to work with FreeUp. Everyone wanted to be part of the culture. They, they're having a Christmas party this year in the Philippines that, that we paid for, like things like that, going the extra mile. And that's what people don't understand. They're, they're so focused on like, how do I save a quick buck or how do I like grow the business or make more money? But that, that team is everything. When you have a loyal team and you treat them right, they're going to do a better job talking to your customers. They're going to produce more sales. Everything's going to become easier for you when you overcome that, that first obstacle of building the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I guess that would be something that somebody could really take advantage of, not as a, as a, air quotes here, not as a weapon to pay less, but if you are dealing with a lower end budget and you have someone on your team that can, that relationship building and caring can, can take you a little further. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be someone that can pay people more money, right? Or right. have a, have better software or better tools or, or have a bigger business like that. That's not going anywhere, but you can all, you can't compete on that level, but you can compete on the relationship and the startup mentality and the culture and the morale. You can always compete with any business on that. How did, how did you deal with, um, if at all with, um, con I guess, continued education with your team because technology changes all the time. Did you have a budget for that or do you have a specific plan or SOP or whatever that you had for investing in your team? And was it everyone that worked for you or was it, you know, you know, certain key staff members on your team? 
Yeah. So we put everyone in kind of a position of being able to have authority, make decisions, bring ideas to the table. So our mindset is don't come in right away and start trying to change stuff. You got to learn it, learn the ropes first. So once you learn everything, we want your ideas. Now we set the mentality that just because you come with an idea doesn't mean that we can implement everything instantly. Certain things take longer than others. Other things, we might have reasons that, that you don't understand that we might have to explain to you why we haven't done that. Look, we want your ideas. We want you to have research. We want you, if you're a team leader, to not spend every day in your email, but to also spend extra time doing research and learning and trying different things. We also brought in other third parties. So we have this guy, Will, who's actually available on the free up platform. He's awesome. And he does automation. So I took a step back and I said, Will, I want you to meet with Marius. I want you to meet with Cheeks. I want you to meet with Jane. I want you to meet with Layden and talk to them about what tasks they're doing over and over on their team that you can automate. And there's certain things that he had to do because he was a developer, but there are certain things that he just taught them how to do. Hey, you can use this Excel formula and this is going to make it a lot faster. Or Hey, grab this tool and start incorporating it day to day. So all of a sudden, I'm not really in the picture at all. He's working with them. They love each other because Will's making their job easier. Will's also learning how to use VAs on his own. So he kind of got a glimpse into how awesome my team was. And it ended up being a win-win where every process is slowly getting better without me having to go in and be like, this is the change that we're making. Yeah, because that would also take a lot of time from you. You'd have to first go in and identify problems that may not have even been brought up yet. Whereas a specialist could go in there and already identify things that, they, that they're accustomed to knowing. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty genius. I've never, you know, I've never done that. I've always done it the way that I, I would be the one going in there and saying something and then I would get someone or hire someone that knew it and hire, yeah, but you could just, that makes a ton of sense. Will, huh? Yeah, Will. Put a, <laughs> shoot an email to support at freeup.com and ask for Will, the automation guy, and we'll make a quick introduction. Yeah, I think you're going to get, I think, <laughs> I think they're going to get that email. <laughs> Um, what else? Let, like, let's try to like make it a little more since it's an since it's an Amazon seller podcast. Um, for, from an Amazon seller perspective, what uh, what are some bad decisions that you see people do with hiring virtual assistants? Yeah, I, I think that one of the biggest things from from an Amazon side, I think it applies to Amazon more than anything else, just because there's so many different parts. But figuring out wh what are you good at as an Amazon seller? Are you really good at sourcing products? Are you really good at creating listings? Are you really good at PPC? And the average Amazon seller is only going to be good at like really, really good at one to three different things. So for those things, create a system, create a process, have VAs that, that can follow it. For the other things, there might be a little trial and error. You might need to work with some higher level people that have come from other agencies, come from other sellers, come from the free platform, whatever it is that can come in and write a few listings for you. And you can be like, you know what? I, I like Bob and Joe, but these other few people aren't my style and build a Rolodex of people you can depend on for the stuff that, that you're not good at. If, if your listing gets suppressed tomorrow, you should have a go-to person that you know, hey, I'm calling this guy. Because if you don't have these people in your back pocket, you're going to be scrambling when something comes up. Who are the graphic designers you go to? Who, who's the, the bookkeeper you're going to go to? Like an approved vendor month? list. Exactly. Like you should have a, a bunch of resources that you know. We we're talking about real estate. It's kind of the same thing that, that I'm doing now with real estate. I need, I need an inspector I can rely on. I need a, a contractor I can rely on. Hopefully, I have a few different real estate agents. And it, it's even more so on Amazon because there's just so many different complex things and, and specialists, especially depending on what category you're in and all that. You got to start building that Rolodex. Okay. And well, how about this uh, virtual team? You're, you need to add four or five people. You've never dealt with virtual assistants before. You know, you, you drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Someone's heard you speak. They've come to one of my meetups and they're like, yeah, I'm doing this totally wrong. I need to bring a virtual team on. 
And so they hire a specialist, say, for the top four tasks that they don't like. Right. Um, what would you, for team building purposes and internal communication and, and, and like simplicity in their life, like any suggestions you would make to that person? Yeah. So I like to start off with the basics of explaining three communication channels to people. I use Skype. You can use Slack instead. But regardless, it's email, either Skype or Slack, and then Viber or WhatsApp. And for email, it's responses within a business day. If I email you, you respond within a business day. That's just the hands down. We can only work together if you do that. Skype is for day to day. If you're working nine to five and I message you, you need to respond within five minutes unless you're in a meeting or something else. So more of that day to day, we have meetings there. We have conversations there. We talk stuff out there. Maybe we do any onboarding or training there. And then there's Viber and WhatsApp. So we, that's for really emergencies only. So we had a software bug this morning. I woke up and there was a Viber at 4 a.m. going to our dev team. We're not going to Viber our dev team unless we actually need them. So really establishing those communication channels is one of the first things I do. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they, let's say they want to build a team of four to five people in their mind, they're thinking, Hey, it's four to five people. And then I'm here and they all kind of report to me where I want to build a structure where I don't want to talk to five different people. I want to have one or maybe two go-to people. So I'll establish upfront. Let's say I hire all five of them at once. It's like, Hey, I want all of you guys to work out. I want to have a great relationship with you long-term. I want you guys to make money. I want the business to grow. I also want a leader to emerge. And even if you don't become a leader or you don't want to be a leader, there's still a role for you. But I, I'm going to challenge you guys. The leader is going to get more money. They're going to get more responsibility, maybe a 50 cent dollar raise, whatever it is. And I, I want to see what you got over the first two months. And if you're interested in being a leader, let me know. If you're not, let me know. And we'll go from there and almost create a little bit of competition. So hopefully after two months, one or two people emerge and they can be my go-to people and they can be in charge of managing the other people. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I was I was kind of like hinting at that to see if you'd get on it, but yeah, that's that's me. I have a lot of VAs, and I, I have four people that I, I really deal with. So it's uh, otherwise it's impossible. Otherwise, you're giving yourself another job because it's just an all day thing, you know, dealing with that many people, even with processes. Like it's it's tough. Um, let's see what else. What what would you say for? God, there's so many questions to go out with you. I, I don't even know where to go. And it's like the easy ones for everybody. I want to hit you with the hard ones because you're here. Um, well, one of the important things is just laying out everything up front. And, and I'm going through this with, with the Hoth people. Um, the Hoth is a company that, that bought FreeUp. And they're like, like, how should we handle bonuses? How should we handle raises? How should we handle XYZ? Like, there's obviously, they're going to make changes. And I think most of them are going to be really good. There, there might be some stuff that people disagree with. There's stuff right now that, that going back six months ago that the team probably disagree with. But the key is, you communicate it and you lay it all out for upfront and you go to the team leaders first. So they had a question about bonuses and raises. And I was like, listen, I can give you my input and you're going to make your own decisions. But before you do anything, meet with the team leaders. The team leaders are the ones that have the most responsibility. They like free up the most. They're not going anywhere. They make the most money. Talk to them to get their input. They have a better read on the team that, than even I do. And that'll get you even more information to make that decision and, and give you an opportunity to have them relay it to the team. So just trying to, to lay out that foundation up front. However you want the working relationship to be, whatever you want it to look like for the next five years, all of that needs to be communicated up front. That makes a ton of sense, man. What, what about the hiring process? Talk about the hiring process. Somebody has no experience. They've never hired anyone in their life. Um, that Maybe they don't even have great social skills like this. It's not something they've done. I, mean, I don't know if you were a natural the first time you went in and did a job interview for a virtual assistant, but what, what are some best practices there that you'd share with everybody? 
So my first hire, I posted a job on Facebook and this guy in my business law class messaged me and he said, I need a job. And I said, you're hired. <laughs> Didn't even interview him. And he ended up, it's Connor, my business partner. We've been working together for like 10 years. So I just got super lucky. And I proceeded to make a lot of bad hires after that because you obviously need an interview process. So for me, the interview process should be getting better and better and better over time. It's unrealistic for you to think, hey, I'm just going to create this interview process on paper and that's going to be my interview process going forward. Create an outline of six to 10 questions. If you go in the Outsourcing Masters Facebook group, we have a baseline. Feel free to steal those questions, tweak them, add your own. It's in the files of the group, but take those questions, make sure you're prioritizing them in the right way. If you need someone to work nine to five Eastern time, the first questions you ask should be all around that, making sure they can do that, that there's no reservations, they've done it before, whatever it is. Because if you leave that first question and you don't have a, you don't realistically think that they're going to be able to commit to that, you don't want to keep going through the next 30 minutes of the interview. You can not be rude about it. Be like, Hey, I want to respect your time. We really need someone who's, who's done this before. We can commit to it. Um, I'm going to pursue someone else, whatever, but prioritize the interview in a way that makes sense. That lets you dip out if, if something doesn't work and make sure that all your questions are, are answered. And you can always come back with new questions later. Well, when someone gets through the interview process that they work out really well and you like them, Two months in, go back and look at their interview. That's one of the reasons I like to do interviews via Skype chat because it's saved there. I can save it forever. I can go back. I can reference it. And if someone gets through and they were a terrible hire and you had to fire them and block them and block them on social media, go back to that interview and say, hey, what did this person say? What new questions can I ask to avoid hiring that same type of person again? That's good. I never did the, we don't do the recording of the interviews, but that's something that uh, we should, we don't do the initial recording of the interviews, the later interviews before someone gets hired on the, some of the positions where there's multiple interviews, the later stages we do, but the earlier stages we don't. So that's a, that's a good one. Also, have you ever, did you handle the hiring yourself or did you get some of your, your team leaders, or did you have someone in place to actually do that hiring that maybe was better than you? So for the first two years, Connor and I did all the hires. Um, once we got to a point where we had 35 people and, and people needed to be hired for customer service or whatever, we would have the, the team leaders do the initial interview. So no one would even get to us unless the team leader was like, this person's a rock star. We want you to just do like a second, a second vetting. And so that's really how we set it up where only the people that got to us were the, the higher level people that the team already liked. And most of the time they did a great job and we would leave that interview and be like, yeah, that, those were rock stars. Good job. Like set them up. And then sometimes we'd be able to just from our experience of doing it for 10 years, pick apart and maybe find something that, that they didn't catch. And we'd also relay that to them and teach them so that next time they can do a better job figuring that out. Okay. Um, this, this next one is, uh, I, I guess it's two questions in one it's sort of loaded. So, and it's a struggle that I had or, or still have right now. And that is, Let's use data entry, Excel, PPC, you know, dealing with a lot of data. I hate it. I'm really good at it, but I absolutely hate it. So for me to hire that out or delegate it, it's a no-brainer. Right. But there's a lot of things in my business that I feel like I'm a rock star at and I love. But the ROI is maybe not good enough for me to be doing it. So I need to step back. And I found that delegating what I'm great at is much harder than delegating what I, I, I'm not so good at and I don't like. What would you say to that? 
It's so true because I'm a, a customer service person. I, I, I like interacting with clients. I like interacting with freelancers. At the same time, I have Jane and Layden and their entire team and they're rock stars. And you're right. I Yes, if something escalated or it's a VIP client, like there's certain situations that make se- or made sense for me to do it. Most of the time it didn't. So what I would actually do is I would remind my team leaders to like keep me in check and be like, hey, Nate, I, I got this. I can handle this. And some people in the Philippines, not all, I, I hate to put everyone in categories, but from my experience, have tend to be a little bit more shy or, or yes. they don't want to go to their boss and be like, hey, you should be doing this. Like that, that, that's very intimidating. So it takes a little bit of reminders and, it, it, and to letting them know, like, I'm not going to yell at you if you come to me and you're like, Nate, I should be doing this. And, and really putting into their mind that, that they have to take ownership of their team. And, let me focus on what I'm good at. If I'm, if I'm focusing on marketing or doing podcasts or growing the business, that's going to help you. That's going to lead to more money for you, more opportunities, more hires, whatever. So getting your team to keep you in check, your business partner, whatever relationships you have going on in your team, it, it has to be done. We're, we're all entrepreneurs. We fall into bad habits. No matter how many books we read or podcasts we listen to, you always tend to revert back to, to, to where you came from. Um, and even off of that, my, my first manager, I haven't had many real jobs. When I was in college, the job I had the longest, I had this manager who was awful. He, was, he would yell at people. He would talk down to people. He would micromanage. He would look over your shoulder. He would stress you out. But that's really the only management style that, that I knew. So it took me <laughs> years and years and years to get out of that. And even once in a while now, yeah, now I'll like revert back to that. And I'll get a message from Connor, from Jane or from Layden being like, hey, Nate, you're like, you're doing it again. And, and it's kind of like a check. Like, you're right. Like, I can't talk really. To I would not have thought that of you. So your default is like the dictator. Yeah. When it comes to business, I'm, I'm very just like direct to the point. Like we got to get this done and it doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from a, a good place. Like I want the business to grow, but it, sometimes you have to, you have to factor in the emotions and, and the people around you. And, and sometimes it just takes like a wake up, like, okay, you're, you're right. Like let's, let's reset. Let's apologize to a few people and let's move forward. Nice. Uh, you, you brought up something, you brought up an entirely other point in there. Like what, what techniques do you have to embolden your, your key team members that need to be challenging you. Um, and, and what if they check, because that's an important quality that they need to have on the team. But what if they check, is that a kill card? Like if they can't do that, it doesn't matter how good they check those other boxes for the role. It's just not going to work. Or how do you deal with that? Yeah. If you want to be a top team leader and not an assistant team leader, you have to be able to challenge. You have to be able to give feedback. And one of the best things we do, and I, if you have a VA, I encourage you to do this, is we give quarterly bonuses. And it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a ton of money, but it's, it gives you an opportunity to have a conversation with someone. So what we'll do is once a quarter, we'll meet with them one-on-one. We'll thank them for their hard work. We'll give them an update on how we did the past quarter so they know what's going on in the business. Hey, we broke this record. This went well. This didn't go well. We'll thank them. We'll give them a bonus. They'll be very appreciative. But then we'll kind of dive into some feedback. So we use that bonus as an opportunity to, to one, challenge them, be like, hey, I want you to focus on writing emails a little bit better, a little bit more clear so that we don't have to send a few emails back and forth, whatever that one thing is. And you can get feedback from other people that maybe work with them more. But then two, getting feedback on you and the business. I mean, and I know you're in this situation too. You have all these people working 40 plus hours a week. Like you don't know what's going on. If you, if you own a restaurant, the people that know the restaurant the best, a lot of times are the waiters, the waitresses. So you got to talk to them and get that feedback. And it, it takes a, a good owner to, 
when, when, a, when an assistant or a team leader goes up, oh, everything is good. You're perfect. You're the best boss ever to not accept that and be like, no, I need you to give me some actual feedback so that we can prove together going forward. And this system that you're talking about, was it like an actual, I'm saying this because I recently recorded an episode with Monica Louie. I don't know. You, you probably know her. I don't think I know Monica no, Louie. Mon- Monica Louie, amazing. She's amazing when it comes to Facebook ads. But the at the end of the show, I'd ask, I guess this will be your warning. At the end of the show, I like to ask everybody, what's your favorite book and, and, and why? Uh, and the book she mentioned, I, I immediately got, and I'm, and I'm listening to it now on Audible. It's uh, the 12-week year. I don't know if you've- No, I never uh, read it. Amazing. But it, it centered around almost like a scorecard system within your team where everyone kind of knew where they were at. Um, and, and where things were going. And I had mixed feelings about it, but I'm thinking about testing it in a part of, of, of one of my virtual teams. And I'm wondering, am I going to be scored fairly? Like, am I just going to be given a 10 out of 10 because, oh, we don't want to, which would totally defeat the purpose and make this a waste of time. Uh, Cause I do need to be checked sometimes. Um, what you didn't find that very challenging to do. Was it the system similar to that? Like, did everyone know where they stood or it was like, I'm getting into this interview and uh, oh my God, what's, what is he going to say? Yeah. I mean, you got to push people a little bit. And, and once you get a big enough team, like Jane Layden, Marius Cheeks, they've worked with me for a while. You can go and be like, Hey, make sure the rest of the team is comfortable. They know they're not going to get fired if they tell me something wrong or, or whatever it is. And, and we're getting kind of, it's almost the same thing all over again with the sale of the Hoff people. I need to to talk to Chiefs, talk to Marius, make sure that they're comfortable telling things to the Hoth and, and to know that their job's not in jeopardy because the Hoth has the same values, the same mindset that, that I do. They they need information. They want to learn. They know that Nate has 10 years of hiring VAs. They don't have as many years. They need to learn as much as possible. And I told uh, Garrett this this morning, who, who I was training with, I said, hey, go to Cheeks because I did this eight years ago. I said, hey, Cheeks, I've never worked with anyone in the Philippines before. I know my communication is garbage. I know that we've had turnover. Tell me everything I need to know. Who are your favorite clients? Why are they your favorite clients? How do they do it? Tell me about the culture in the Philippines. And not only am I going to get great information, but they're going to be more open to telling me stuff in the future and you're going to build that relationship. And are you able to share what, if not, it's fine, but are you able to share maybe like what those bonuses look like? That's going to be a question I get at for sure asked when someone listens to this. And they ask me all the time, like 13th month in the Philippines and different things like that. What, how, when do, do I have to give bonuses? How much are they? And I, obviously I do, but how, how do you rate that? What would, what would your bonuses look like? Yeah. So you don't have to give bonuses. Like I said, I think bonuses are an opportunity to challenge someone to get good Absolutely. feedback and to motivate them. I, I don't do the 13 month thing, but essentially what I'll do is whatever the 13 month ends up being, I'll take that and divide it by four and we'll give it out every quarter or you can do it every half of a year. It's not exactly the 13 month. It could be a little more, or a little less, depending on the person, how long they've been there, their responsibility. Uh, but but that's the, the ballpark. And you ever withhold a bonus altogether or like if you know, they, 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 they halfway met what you wanted them to do. If that exists, you know, they got half of that, what they would have gotten. Like, how did you, who determined that? So a lesson that I learned the hard way with my first Amazon business, and this was people in the U S. So we, we had like four or five people and at the beginning, Amazon was crushing it. I got into a good time and, and we just like down, down people with bonuses at the end of the year, like thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, like really rewarding them. They crushed it. Well, the next year our team got bigger and the next year our team got bigger and Amazon got a little bit harder. And all of a sudden people that got that $10,000 bonus the first year got a $3,000, $4,000 bonus. And in our mind, we're thinking, they'll understand, like the business is more fun now, right. it's bigger, it's whatever. Total rookie move. People were pissed. People quit. They left. And so 
if you're going to make a bonus go down, you have to be prepared for that person to leave. Like it's just an option that all of a sudden just becomes on the table. So if someone's not doing a good job, yes, you can not give them a bonus. You can explain to them why you can use that as a motivation for next time. Here's how you get that bonus back. But don't do that if, if they're a really big part of your business, if you really need them and maybe overall they're doing a really good job and you're just bothered by this one small thing. You have to keep in mind that you're just opening that door for turnover as soon as you do that. Okay. Um, I think last major question that I have, because we could do this for days on, on <laughs> VAs and, and I have a ton of questions, but I feel are more just if someone's not working with a massive team, it won't, won't make any sense to them right now. But um, how do you identify you know, tasks within your business that you're not going to, I guess, sub out or delegate to a virtual team member, or is everything on the table for you? Everything's on the table. There's certain things that I would do later than others. Um, I don't know if anyone listening runs like an Amazon agency, mm. outsourcing sales or outsourcing that, that client interaction. Well, it can be done. And at some point it should be done. It's probably not on your year one to-do list. That's very hard to do and, and have success. So a lot of it is more about prioritizing. If you grow a company to the size of Apple, eventually if you're the CEO of that company, you're, you've outsourced everything. For the more realistic entrepreneur, when there are certain things that you're going to be able to outsource in year one, the data entry stuff like that, maybe year two, more customer service, more day-to-day -day operations. And then maybe year three, year four, you can get out of more of those high-level stuff or at least have a compliment. So what I did is I didn't want to get totally out of client phone calls, but I hired two VAs and I taught them how to do client phone calls at a high level. And the people at the Hoth were so impressed talking to Joyce on how she could crush it with clients. And that just gave me an option. All of a sudden, I don't have to take every client phone call. They can schedule with her. If I'm too busy, I can send her the, the client's number. She'll call them back. And, and it, even if you're not 100% away from it, you can still take some of that time and focus it towards other things. Absolutely. What do you think the 2020, 2021 landscape is going to look like for freelancers? That uh, is it, is it going to become you know, more expensive to hire someone? Do you think there's going to be more freelancers that could be hired? What changes do you see happening in the next year or two? I think it's, it's going to be, I think there's going to be more opportunity for freelancers. I mean, the thing that's happening now in e-commerce is everyone focused on building a brand. So instead of just needing PPC people and listers and, and maybe a graphic designer, you need social media, you need marketing, you need an email list, you need all this other stuff. So I think the opportunities are there. I think more and more people on the trying to get work side are, are realizing that you don't need a nine to five job to be happy. I mean, you see VA courses and people promoting becoming a VA all over the place. So I'm pretty terrible at predicting the future, but if I had to guess, it's all going in that direction. Yeah. You know, the v, you mentioned VA courses, like a lot of the VA courses, the few actually that I've stumbled across were, they, they were really lacking substance. You know, it was all very fluffy, you know, hiring is important and like st <laughs> stuff like that. And, and on social media, I'm saying, cause I've seen some of your posts out there, you're, you're being open with, you're considering uh, putting something together, right? Yeah. So it's funny. I've never really been a course guy and I, I never <laughs> wanted, either. yeah, I, I've never, I never really bought a course online. That's just not really my style. Um, but I have been getting asked for the past three years if I would create a course. So I'm partnering with Connor, who I love this other guy, Nate McAllister, and we're going to go for it. We're going ah, to try Nate McAllister. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Nate. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely. A, yeah. He's a great guy. And amazing we, guy. Yeah, we had a meeting where we, we sat down and we we're like, listen, if we're going to do this, it needs to be awesome. It needs to be something that actually adds value. And if we launch this thing and it's terrible, we're just going to refund everyone and make sure that we don't burn any bridges. Like, we're, we're, we're not in this for the money. We want to make sure that 
it, it actually adds value. So what, who knows? That, what parts of yours do you feel is going to be different? I'm sure just in, in research in your industry, you've looked at other courses and they're saying no names of other courses, but you've looked at other courses. You've seen that, at least I think so, that there's close to no value in, in what's out there. So there's a demand. What, what would be so different about your course if you did? Like, this is all hypothetical, right? <laughs> Right. I could wake up in two weeks and decide I don't want to do it's that. Like, no, I'm going to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, we took free up from $5,000 that we put into the bank account, hired a first VA for 20 hours a week. And when we left and we sold it, we had 40 VAs, most of them working full time using freelancers too. So for our course, we can only speak for how we've actually done it. We're going to walk through how we conduct interviews, how we do an onboarding, how we handle issues, how we built the structure of team leaders and assistant team leaders and people under them and what we look for and all that. So maybe some really, templates, processes, things like that. Yeah. We're going to share that all the stuff that, that we actually did that it, if we're going to start another company, we're going to do it the exact same way. So we hope that's a lot more substance and stuff that people can actually apply and, and create process in their business rather than just leaving the course and be like, okay, I understand VAs now, but how am I actually going to do this thing? Yeah. Well, I hope if there's any sneak peek to look, if there's any holes in it or anything like that, you think of me to take a look at it because I'm definitely going to get it when it comes out. Oh yeah. You're definitely going to be a beta tester. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Beta tester. Um, I, I want to be super respectful of your time. I, 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 when we started this, I assumed that you were just reading a book and you know, on a hammock in your backyard or something, <laughs> but it sounds like you're even more busy because you're you know, very hands-on with the transition. So um, the hard question, believe it or not, that stumps everybody, favorite book and why? <laughs> so my, my default is start with why. And I think I probably told you that on podcast before. That's by far my favorite book. But I, so I'm getting into real estate now, a book I just read last week, the Bigger Pockets book. I think it's called the book on rental properties. So that that was awesome coming from someone who knows nothing about real estate. Who's well, never you already really, read it. Yeah, I already read it. I, I just finished it like a few days ago. So um, I mean, I bought my own place that I'm in right now, but outside of that, I have zero real estate experience. So just laying out the groundwork. And now I feel like I get it. I still have a lot more to learn. I could probably go out right now and, and make an investment and, and learn even more doing that. But for me, I, I thought it was very well written, very engaging, all real life scenarios. And it's not one of those, this is how you get rich quick schemes. It's, hey, right. this is these are the pros. These are the cons. These are the things you have to consider. Here's how I've had success. And now it's on you to, to go out and build your own system and your own process. All right. Makes sense. And whatever you get into next is probably going to have some virtual assistance involved, right? Oh, definitely. I actually... <laughs> One is that a criteria? Like, oh no, I don't see room for VAs here. Like, I'm not doing this. I have a lifetime discount built into our agreement with the selling free up to the hoss. So smart, I'm smart free move. Going forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Nate, I don't know you, your, your email and you're like the easiest person in the world to get a, a hold of. Um, so I guess I'll just ask this in case there's been any changes. What's the best way for someone to get a hold of you to find out, you know, the latest on the course that may or may not come out? Um, questions about free up or just to stay connected with you? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So my personal email is nathanhirsch2 at gmail.com. Feel free to email me there. Find me on any social media channel, the real Nate Hirsch on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, just Nathan Hirsch, my name. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty easy to reach out to. I'm still a part of free up. I'm going to be consulting with them going forward too. If they're not treating you at a high level, if they're doing it wrong, they want to know, I want to know. I don't think it'll get to that point, but I don't want people to think that I'm just bouncing and heading to the week to the beach and won't be able to be contacted. I'm still here and I hope to be a part of a big part of the community going forward. I'm sure you will, mate. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
liked what you heard and want to stay connected, join our Facebook group or find me anywhere on social media at Wizards of Amazon or text the word Amazon to 69922.